this week on Invasion of the Podcast, we don't get the Superman we need, but the one we deserve. What do we have to say to the Netflix original film, Mute? And will we sneak a delicious can of Joe Cola into our game about product placement? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I'm Paul, and to my left, as always, Steve. Hello again, everyone. And I hope you guys enjoyed our exhaustive talk about Cleveland was a world and me getting stuck in a van and um, drawing hand turkeys. I, I just, it, was, it was an adventure. If you didn't listen, I spoiled half of it, but you should go back and listen to it. But uh, this week, we're talking about uh, Duncan Jones's film, Mute, which is a Netflix original. Uh, we will have some words about that film. I think we're going to have maybe some differences of opinion. Maybe. Ooh, maybe this is the time when Steve and I finally fight about something, because I feel like we're in agreement on a lot of things. So get ready. That's, I'm teasing a fight that may not happen. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm even wondering now. I'm like, what? What are we going to talk about? <laughs> um, so before we get to that, I just want to mention. So over the weekend, um, I played a bunch of video games because that's what I do. Because uh, that's all I do anymore. Seems to play video games and then get ready for podcasts. It's it's a vicious cycle. So. Uh, two things. One, Steve's going to appreciate the first story. It was double XP weekend for Friday the 13th. So I decided, you know what? I haven't played that game in like months. I'm going to log in and get some double <laughs> XP. However, this decision came after a lot of drinking. And so oh. I also I got to paint the picture that I was in a group chat on PlayStation talking to a couple people that one of them had Friday the 13th and one of them didn't. And so they went off to play Rocket League while I was just off playing Friday the 13th. So I'm mumbling to myself all drunk while they're talking about car soccer and I'm just like playing this game. So I played three rounds. Once as a counselor, I immediately died. Just There's just no hope. <laughs> just done, done, done. And I got to play Jason twice. And I was really excited because oh, nice. I got to play Jason a handful of times. Yeah. You will be very disappointed with my Jason antics. Oh no! Um, both rounds, they're of out of out of a possible eight campers, I killed one camper per round. Really? It was. I don't know. I just thought maybe being drunk and having Jason's mom whispering in my head, because <laughs> as you go along, you hear her going, you know, kill them all, make them pay. And I'm like, hell yeah! And I'm like trying to go after them, and they're and people have been playing this game much longer than I have now. So even with the the counselors being weak compared to Jason's, very strong. They know how to screw with you and keep you at arm's distance. And it was infuriating. Like, I wanted all these campers to die, and I could do nothing about it. And my mom was very disappointed with me. And it was very frustrating. But the second round was even worse because not only did I just kill one camper, they killed me. Like, they, <laughs> they put together that scenario. There's only one way to kill Jason, and they did it. And there was like seven of them around me. They were having a, like a super sweet 16 party over my dead body. And it was very frustrating. So congratulations. They survived except for one person, I, whoever they are. They hopefully they were drunk like me or the first time they played the game. Cause otherwise I feel really bad for them that for me being a drunk fumbling Jason, and I killed them. 
Yeah. So it was fr- frustrating. That was, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much XP I got. So second video game story. There is a game out right now called uh, Fortnite Battle Royale. Fortnite's a game, and Battle Royale is a, a game aside with it. It's kind of weird. It's hard to explain. However, Battle Royale, are you you're familiar with the Battle Royale manga and the film series? I've not seen. I mean, I know what it is, but I have not. A seen bunch it. of yeah. people put on an island, last man standing type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. It's more cartoony, but the whole thing is you get dropped off on this island, then there's this radius that will constantly start collapsing as the time goes on. So it forces players more and more into a final confrontation. So if you don't, if you st- if you're outside the radius of the storm, you die. So you're basically constantly being funneled inward, and it's last man standing. It's like I don't even know how many people. I I, I think it's a hundred, maybe it's fifty. I could, I don't know what. I have friends who play this game. They swear by it because it's free to play. I download it first match. I land on a part of an island and I find a gun. I'm like, okay, that's good. And then part of also part of this Fortnite thing is you can build stuff kind of like Minecraft. So you can build like structures, right? So you're supposed to be like, oh, I'm going to find some materials and go build a, a, a shelter. But my thought is this storm's coming in like 20 minutes. Why should I work my ass off building a house when I want to have to leave it? You know, what is this, a trailer park? Anyway, so I find <laughs> a shack that's already there and I get inside it and I close the door and I hold the gun up to the door, like where the head would be if someone opened it. And I wait. For 20 goddamn minutes, I wait because I see the radius closing and closing and closing, and I see players dying. So just by virtue of me hiding in a shack, I'm going into the top 50, the top 40, the top 30. I make it to number eight by hiding in a shack. And then I run outside. I fall down a hill as I start to banish myself. (laughs) As I start to banish myself, I get headshot. I don't even see who this person is. I'm dead. That's it. I'm done. So... That was my experience in Fortnite. I finished in the top 10 by hiding in a shack and getting shot from nowhere. And people love this game, and I don't understand why. Because it rewards you for for hiding, which that, that makes sense in the real world, right? And maybe there's creative ways to hide. Maybe there's some like kind of Looney Tunes ways that you could, like I see people in bushes in this game that can crawl and kind of move around. I don't know. But I don't like the idea that Someone could see me a distance and shoot me like twice and I'm dead and I have no idea where they are. And then I have to, and that's it. That's the game. That's not very fun for me, but I hid, hid for 20 minutes. I finished the top 10. I don't know if I'm coming back to Fortnite, but then I watched the guy who killed me. He made it to like the last four and all these guys did was as the storm was getting closer and closer and closer, the whole thing became a race then who could build a higher tower because the higher tower means you have the higher ground so you can shoot everybody. It's just like, it was boring watching these towers just be built and then waiting for someone to screw up. People love this game. The mobile version's announced. Like More people are going to play it. I don't get it. But I hid in a shack, finished in the top 10. I thought, I don't know. I, I, to me, you shouldn't be rewarded for doing nothing. That, that's, that's me. But I was. I was rewarded. I did much better than Fortnite hiding in a shack than it is Jason Voorhees in a camp. <laughs> so that was my, uh, my, my video game stories. Not... My frustrations, and I played. And I played Overwatch a lot, and I felt better about myself. So that that was my weekend. Was oh, that, nice. You know? <laughs> Clearly, in drinking, that's what happened the one night. You know. So all right. You need those nights, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I need those nights of of being frustrating and not killing campers, and then hiding in a shack, falling down a hill, <laughs> bandaging, getting shot. So yeah. Anyway, 
I, I, did you have anything for the weekend? Um, anything as amazing as my stories? <laughs> oh, you and these gotcha questions. Uh, yeah, my gotcha, <laughs> yeah, my gotcha journalism. Hey, I played video games. What did you do? Yeah, uh, not not too much. Uh, my wife's birthday is this week, but we did go out uh, Saturday to uh, start the what she calls her celebration birthday week. Um, we went to Bamba, uh, Tacos and Rum in Rocky River, and uh, had a Cuban sandwich. It was very delicious. And what uh, is, Like, what is a Cuban sandwich? Uh, it was like ham, pickle. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it makes it sound like it's a ham sandwich, but <laughs> there's a little bit more to it than that. But uh, I've only had it twice, but it, I can tell you it's quite delicious. They do something with it that makes it uh, even more delicious than your normal ham sandwich. So All right, then. Maybe some of our listeners out there might know. But uh, uh, it was quite good. Uh, we did that. Uh, caught up on a few movies. Actually, um, I saw some some movies that I've not seen that have been on the list forever. Um, you know, I won't go through all of them, but I'll say <laughs> that uh, um, I finally saw Race with the Devil, which is a movie that's kind of been on my radar for like ten years, and I just and it's been out for forty, so I don't know why it only popped up in the last ten. But um, it's got Peter Fonda in it and Warren Oates and Loretta Swit. I don't know if you've ever heard I, of it. I think it's like, I was going to say, I think it's one of uh, Kevin's uh, favorite films. Uh, Kevin, My Coast of Strange Highways. It okay. seems like something that's right up his alley. It's got one of the greatest last shots of a movie ever. So mm. I would say that uh, if you start watching it and you're not you know, enjoying it, wait till you get to the very end because the end's killer. Um, and then uh, I also watched uh, Tales from the Hood, which is from like 95. Um, I actually was really surprised by like how good it was. Mary loves that movie. Does she really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really taken aback. I was like, because I, I I remember when it first came out, I thought it was a parody for some reason. Well, that's the one with uh, Snoop Dogg is like the the he's the storyteller, right? Like, no, he, he, I think that's Bones. Oh, oh, yes, right. no, that's you're right, it's Bones. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it's really well done. There's some you know mid 90s spotty cgi in there where like every movie from like the mid 90s that had some sort of special I mean, effects it's not in it spawn level bad is it it's not no no it's just uh there's a couple of little bits where you're like ah, i can see why they thought that looked good in 95 but it just doesn't hold up now yeah um but yeah um really strong movie and uh, i'm glad i got to see it uh actually uh, the next time scream factor has a sale they've got a blu-ray of it so i think i'm gonna pick that up i think snoop dog did hood of, hood of horror didn't, isn't that, oh yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, I, but either way, I, don't, I think he's I, had like one or two. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I like anthology films. I just I've never seen that one. I don't know why. I just never, I, I would say it's worth your watch. Cool. So all right, all right, perfect. So that was our weekend's a lot of horror theme there. I guess that was pretty cool. So let's just get on to some news. <laughs> everyone so um we started off talking about uh, the superman we need and the superman we deserve so uh, nicholas cage has been announced to uh, voice superman in the new teen titans go film which i'm guessing that's much more a cartoony thing because i'm not familiar with the dc cartoon properties um i know people like the teen titans series but i think go is much more jokey and much more i don't know Saturday morning cartoony. Yeah, um, I feel like Teen Titans Go was around like 10, maybe even 15 years ago and it ran like a had a very successful uh run and then a couple years ago they decided to bring it back and it's again popular uh and now they're getting their own movie. So it it's definitely got a uh 
a much more simpler look or more of a uh, Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, that that type of a look as opposed to say like the traditional Warner animation. So yeah, Nick uh, Nick Cage, uh, he's going to be voiced Superman. Which the reason we mentioned that, other than the fact that you know Nicholas Cage is voicing, like I'm sure he'll be fine. Like I, I think, I as much as he he takes every project now because he, I think he needs the money. I don't know if you guys are aware of his uh his whole like spending and tax habits. They were bad there for a while, so I'm sure he's taking whatever project. But then again, I think there's opportunities like this where it's a paycheck, but he gets to voice Superman. So you know, I mean, for goodness sakes, he took the name Cage from Luke Cage. Yeah. So he loves comics. So this has to be exciting. However, the reason we mentioned this is because Nick Cage was almost Superman and um when they had Tim Burton directing was it The Death of Superman or was that what it was? no, what was I believe it, it was Superman Lives. Superman Lives, that's what it. it was called. And there's a there's a whole um documentary about that. People they've released um some screen tests of him with this weird suit and there's this whole talk about this film that almost got made. And um I kind of I kind of wish it had cuz now a Tim Burton Superman movie I have no interest in. Back then would have been interesting. See, I'm, I'm the opposite. Back then I would have been like, it's blasphemy. Now I'm just like, I kind of want to see what that train wreck would be. <laughs> I just don't want Giant Depp of Superman. That's really would be my biggest worry. Well, I mean, I'm just saying I want to see what that movie was 20 years ago. I, I oh, okay. I, I think that, uh, I mean, God, it can't be worse than Man of Steel. Yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> it, can't be, it can't be more slow moving than... Um, Superman Returns, like, which wasn't a bad movie. It was just a slow movie. It was a slow movie, and I'm I'm one of the defenders of that movie. But uh, uh, yeah, the the whole um, uh, God, I wanted to say Kevin Smith. The whole uh, the whole Nicolas Cage Superman well, movie is documented in a documentary. Oddly enough, it's a documentary that documents something. Uh, that title i believe it's the death of superman okay, lives that, that's that's um, it yeah and it's a fascinating documentary what's most fascinating about it is how far they got like the amount of pre-production that was done like they're making suits and they were gearing up on special effects and there was all this crazy stuff like uh, just light bright suits and that, that like, was yeah i've seen i've seen footage of that suit which is interesting because it was going to be in front of the camera like an in, like in front like what they call in camera effect meaning they show it they don't they don't add anything maybe there had been some cg assist but that would have been something that you would have probably at the time thought wow they use computers for it but no this thing was lighting up on its own it was yeah. it was weird and uh, um, just, you know, the documentary covers everybody. It's got Tim Burton in it. It has Kevin Smith talking about his draft. I believe the producers, um, pretty much almost everybody who's involved in that that movie that never happened. Except Nick Cage. Except for Nick Cage, that's true. <laughs> um, you know, are in that documentary. And um, it's just a fascinating look. I, I kind of want to see what that movie was. What if this Teen Titans Go movie for a second shows him in a weird suit, just as kind of like a nice like <laughs> nod to what would have been? That would have been like, I think he would be. I think he's going to be a good cartoon, like cartoony Superman. Because you think about it, it's like he can he can. Oh, part of his appeal is that he goes big. Yeah, and I think for something like this, it's going to be good. So, well, I think also fun. we got to remember that the time he was cast, he was huge. He was an Oscar winner. I mean, he's still technically an Oscar winner, but like, yeah, they his... don't take him back. <laughs> if they did, we're going to take Kubrick these with us. Be like, no, they'd be pulling it from him, you know. <laughs> but I think you know, I mean, you, he was coming off of The Rock and Con Air. Like he was 
a big thing at that point. Um, Face-off, I think, might have already happened as well. So um, it's kind of hard to see it now and be like, God, Nicolas Cage. And it did. there was some head-scratching back in the day, but I was, I was always of the opinion that, okay, he is an Oscar winner, and, like, you know, let's see what he can do. Maybe he's not right for it, but maybe he's going to, like, surprise us all. So Yeah, I feel like Superman's always going to be one of those tough characters to cast because you... It depends upon your story in the sense, are you doing a Superman story or are you going to go with the whole like Clark Kent human side that happens to be Superman? And I think Henry Cavill is a really good casting. I just feel like they haven't done anything with him. Yeah. I think he can pull off both sides. It's just they haven't given him enough material to make me care, which yeah. is unfortunate. But that's always going to be tough. Like, who do you care? Because I think Brandon Routh, Brandon Routh, like, I don't know, he... He has that. He had that Christopher Reeves look, and I know that was intentional, but it's like he kind of had that. It just he he isn't like a super like muscular guy, but he had that presence, and I dug it, you know. And I I don't know. I just, I feel like that's always going to be a tricky thing to find casting for, even more so than Batman, which I feel like Batman has had enough incarn- incarnations of actors that's almost like kind of like the James Bond thing of like, okay, well, what are you going to do with it that's different as opposed to can you fill the shoes of? Yeah, and I feel like Superman hasn't still other other than Reeves. I don't know who is the quintessential Superman. Which that's actually good foreshadowing for the end of the show. By yeah. the way, yeah. Hi, huh, look at that. Didn't even know. I didn't even know we we're going to do that. So foreshadowing there and a fight later. We, that's two things I'm promising. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Nick Cage in a movie. Hopefully, it makes money. Hopefully, he gets a paycheck and he can stop. You know, if he wants to make all the movies, still that's fine. He doesn't have to make every single movie. He doesn't have to do that. Hopefully, he's okay. Not the bees. Not, not the bees. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that, no, I can't. no, no. I, I here's my admission. I need to watch the original Wicker Man. I think I told you this off off air, like like we're live or something. Uh, I've never seen the original Wicker Man. I should correct that. Maybe I'll do that like soon. I've seen the remake with Nicolas Cage, and that's just one of those ones where it's like, man, I I could see why maybe you wanted to be you were attracted to this project, and then you see the end of the film. It makes me wonder a movie like that as you're making it. You're like, yeah, this is going to be different and weird, and then you get at the end, you're like, what the hell did we do? You know, like because I, I wonder mid production of a film if they know it's going to be good good or bad. You know, I don't think you get out until you're out of it that you know. Yeah, like, I, I feel like you can't sense it. You know, and I think that happens with good movies as well. I don't think people really have a sense of what they're making until it's done. I mean, Nicholas Cage is like, you had me run up and punch uh, someone. Like, what was it Kathy Bates? He had me run up and punch Kathy Bates wearing a bear suit. Like, I think that's what happened in the movie. He just <laughs> full speed runs up and socks her. It's like, does he think at that moment he's like second Oscar? Like, as he's like standing here. <laughs> Well, I, I've seen the original, but all I've ever seen of the Nick Cage version is the bees thing. So, uh, like, that's my go-to anytime somebody talks about Nick Cage. I'm immediately thinking of him. No, not the bees. Not the bees. So, anyway, best of luck. Hope, hopefully, the soups thing parlays into other soups things. That'd be fun. So, uh, hats off to you, good sir. All right, second story that we're going to talk about here. This is piggybacking on last week's talk. I know Steve wanted to mention this uh, briefly because we talked about Wizard World how maybe they should focus on the creative like foundational things yeah then we hear this yeah uh this is really cool uh carolyn john's comics which is local here to cleveland if you guys read comics and you're not shopping at carolyn john's what are you doing they're a great comic book shop yeah um but uh for free comic book day this year and just to step back a second every year they have a awesome spread for free comic book day there's tons of free comics they have a a store-wide sale and then they have tons of local talent artists there doing free sketches i'm one of them um and there's usually about 20 artists there alongside me um 
And that's the announcement. Steve's going to be there. That's what the yes. story was. <laughs> the whole story is about me being there. Like, uh, so I say thank me for flying <laughs> the airlines. You guys should come down. and yeah, anyway. The Comic-Con you deserve is uh, me being at uh, Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> no, uh, Carolyn Johns is going to have uh, Jim Steranko, uh, a comic book legend, there for Free Comic Book Day. Um, and if you don't know who Jim Steranko is, just do a quick Google search, and you're going to see some, some artwork that uh, is pretty amazing. Uh, he's... Um, mainly a Marvel guy. I believe he's done a bit, a little bit of uh, DC work, but uh, most of his stuff is from Marvel. Uh, Nick, I want, I almost said Nick Cage, Nick Fury, um, the, the, Nick Fury comic uh, from the late sixties, early seventies was primarily his. um, And we're just actually looking at the story now. There's some very iconic covers. If you've ever seen the cover of the Hulk holding up the weight of actually his logo, um, it's it's a very uh, iconic uh, cover of the Hulk. Uh, He did that one. Uh, His work was known for being very draftsman draftsmanship like but also incorporating abstract uh and pop images into it um and he also did the production drawings uh for the uh for the first indiana jones raiders of the lost ark um and he's also one of those guys who is sort of a he's a (laughs) he's kind of done it all he was a magician at one point um i've heard a story and i don't know if it's true because i'd actually would like to ask him if this is true i heard that he punched bob kane one time for (laughs) not giving bill finger credit for creating batman so if that's true that's an even more awesome reason to just shake his hand. Uh, but uh, like, he's... I shook the hand of the man that punched Bob <laughs> Bob Kane. That's as close as I'm going to get to to punching Bob Kane myself. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really cool, especially after last week where I said you know like they need to have a more focus on you know getting comic book guys to Cleveland. You know, leave it to John at Carolyn Johns to be like, here you go. I'm going to up the game. I'm going to get a living legend at my shop for free comic book day um and go to carolyn john's website which is cnjcomics.com uh there's a full story on it and you'll see some of his work and as soon as you see it if you're a comic book reader at all you'll recognize his work yeah this feels like stuff i grew up with in the sense of like something about this art style and then also the coloring style at the time is kind of that marvel i know yeah you know and uh yeah, like this is this is cool. Like I and it says here in, um, that he actually has a, a limited edition sketch cover for Captain America seven hundred. Yeah, and then um, and there's going to be a variant um, for Action Comics one thousand. He's and so they're going to have those on hand. Um, you, you I'm sure you can get them autographed. Just again, like I feel like there's these big big names that we know. Like for every Stan Lee we know, who is a personality and like the face of a brand. There's these other guys that have done so much that we don't realize, you know, and I, and I feel bad because I don't know this gentleman as well as I should. I, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's a whole list of artists and writers where it's like, Oh, I know their work, but I don't know who they are. And this is your opportunity. Like if you're in the area, it's free comic book day. Why wouldn't you go anyway? It's awesome to go down there. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, Carol John's always does something with the brew kettle. So there's probably free beer as well. So get free beer, get free comics and meet someone that shaped your, your, your love of comics. Like, that's a good night. And you can, you can see Steve. Steve will be there, too. I didn't shape your love of comics, but uh, I'll be there doing free sketches. So, Yeah, just go up and ask for just Venom over and over again. So he has to use all the black and ask for Venom and Batman over and over again. <laughs> no. Um, no, so that's cool. I think that's great. And I think that's it's really, really 
that just helps after what we talked about last week. So here's your here's your opportunity. Just go do it. So yeah, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about free comic book day as we get there too. I'm sure that we'll announce yeah. that again. So anyway, awesome stuff. All right. So next story, moving on, because it's not invasion of the podcast without some talk about Star Wars. Um, and evidently Friday the 13th is becoming a weekly thing too. Uh, so the last I've Jedi. Come on and, and, and brought on Star Wars. Well, Star Wars is always a piece of the show, but yeah. uh, Friday the 13th. Um, so uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Steve's favorite Star Wars movie um, of, of all the chaptered numbers. Once My favorite one by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's being re- it's it's available in de- digital download now, but it's going to which I, I hate that advanced digital because you know people are going to people that are rabid are going to get that digital download and then go buy the physical copy in two weeks. Happened with me with uh, Force Awakens <laughs> and Rogue One, so <laughs> I'm holding out. I am going to pick this up on Blu-ray. Dude, I went to go buy Ragnarok Thor Ragnarok last week, and it was like you know twenty two dollars whatever Blu-ray DVD combo digital digital download code right. That's nice because I get to cut the I get to cut the the carcass up in three pieces and hand it out right. One for me and two for my friends. Um, I walked by a display for Rogue One and, and, and Force Awakens, and they're they're thirty dollars each. And it's yeah. like I don't why. Like I, I understand that the Star Wars has value, but it's like Rogue One people like it, but I feel like the longer you get away from it, there's there's some some division starting to kind of not not form. But I think people were super happy for a Star Wars film, and I think they kind of cooled off on it a little bit. Um, but it's still thirty dollars full of Blu-ray. Like I. I don't understand why the, the Marvel stuff could come out and it'd be like 20 bucks and be reasonable, but then Star Wars stays at 30 no matter what happens. And it's still the same company. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that I have a good answer to that. I can say that uh, uh, I was at Target before uh, we recorded this evening, and I did see like Winter Soldier, and uh, I feel like... I feel like all the Captain America movies, they were all on blue for about 25 as well. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know um, if it was just that, uh, you know, I don't know if they're being put out in new editions. I, I haven't done my homework on that, so maybe there's something new to those editions. But I did think it was odd. There was like a full rack of Marvel movies. And I was like, oh. So um, not that there isn't normally, but with I Infinity War coming yeah. yeah, there may be a ramp up for those uh, on Blu-ray. So I would just think that they would want to offer them a little, bro- lower, little lower price point if people were excited about everything, then they would go snatch them all up and watch them again. But whatever, people pay their money. I, I did not buy the digital download of Ragnarok. I was like, I'll just wait the two weeks as much as I wanted to own it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so Last Jedi, it's available for download now, so um, we're downloading as we talk. No, uh, two yes. weeks from now, it'll be available on physical release. Uh, the reason we're mentioning this is because Ryan Johnson stated that there's actually a special feature that wasn't talked about on uh, the release of this film, which also, by the way, thank you for putting special features with this because I feel like Disney's also really, really good at not giving you anything on the initial release of a film anymore. Well, uh, with Force Awakens, and I didn't buy the second edition, but like they left a commentary off of uh, yeah. Force Awakens, and then like six months later, like, oh, here's the new edition with a J.J. Abrams commentary, and I'm like... You already got my money twice because I bought the stupid digital edition <laughs> first so I could watch it two weeks earlier um, and then bought the Blu-ray. So, like, I don't know. They're they're real good about that whole, like, oh, we didn't put this on the initial version. And I guarantee that's going to happen with Rogue One. Something's going to come along where they're like, oh, here's all the deleted scenes that you didn't see. Or yeah. we got um, Gareth Edwards to do a commentary. Like, it'll just... It, it, and 
it's not just Disney because Lucas put out a bajillion versions of that movie as well. So it's it's not just a Disney problem. Well, I will say on the Thor uh, Blu-ray, they actually have director's commentary, which I'm excited to listen to. They have a, a blooper reel, which I always like. They have a short involving uh, Thor's roommate, Daryl, I think was his name, that they teased. Remember, they, they talked about him being with his roommate while all that other stuff was going on. Yeah. So Daryl now has a new roommate because Thor's went away, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. So hopefully you'll watch it and you'll yeah. enjoy it. So they actually have some some features on there so that's nice but anyway enough thor talk so with this with the last jedi there's actually going to be a quote-unquote silent film track meaning that there's going to be a cut of the film that you can watch on the collector on, on this not collector's edition but on the regular last jedi that has just the john williams soundtrack and that's it no sound no no space explosions no loud kylo uh ren abs you know whatever none of that it's just the, just the music and the movie and I think that's really interesting because I can't think of another release to say, hey, by the way, one of the features is you don't have to hear any of the dialogue. You're just going to listen to the music and watch the film. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is a cool feature. And, uh, you know, did they say, is it going to be throughout? I understand it's going to be throughout the entire movie, but is it going to be like a silent movie where it's a constant music throughout? Or is it going to be like, oh, this is where the music was, and but there was no music for five minutes in the next scene, so it's just silent, and then... I, I'm, I'm sure the music cues are going to be there where they're staying. I don't know. I That also makes you wonder how much music's actually in the film where it's probably there like a lot and we just don't realize it. That, may, that might show something to you too. But I'd also imagine that if there are moments where there's silence, it might just be silent. Because, I mean... I don't know what you, that would be a jarring experience to go from just music to then suddenly hearing the film and then back to music. Right. You know? So, um, I think it's kind of cool. The closest thing I could equate this to is just, you know, when you're in college and then getting your mind blown that you could play uh, dark side of the moon with uh, wizard of Oz and watch it sync up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, the only hang up on this though, and of course this is what's going on. You have to sign up for something called Movies Anywhere, which is a Disney app. So once you get signed up with that, you have access to this feature. And even Ryan Johnson's tweet is like, the, the one hoop you have to jump through to get it is get the Movies Anywhere app and, and link whatever account you bought the movie with. It's free. It works pretty painlessly. Kind of a pain, I know, but I think it's worth it to get this version. So you kind of have the guy who directed the movie saying, hey, it's this thing. It's it's kind of a pain in the ass, but just like he's kind of thrown a little bit of shade at this Disney app, but I like that they give them the ability to do so. I will say that uh, I have movies anywhere. I already have a subscription to it, uh, or a subscription. I I use the service. What is nice about it is, is that if you get a digital code, and like I have a couple of different digital services that I use. I use Vudu uh, because for a while there they had a thing where you could and they, they still do technically have the disc to digital but uh there were a lot of movies that i was like you know what i have these on disc i would like to have them in another format that i can watch them uh if i'm ever like on a plane or whatever um long story short um i started a voodoo account but i also use itunes but what was cool was was when i signed up for um movies anywhere if you let's say buy that copy of thor ragnarok uh if you have movies under anywhere when you enter that code in there it'll put it both in your voodoo and your itunes okay so you can get that that is a benefit of that service because i I had some films that were in my itunes that it just automatically threw into my voodoo and vice versa so that was kind of cool um on that same note though um you know (sighs) 
stop with the, you know, putting, you know, special features all over the place. Like, just throw them all on the disc or all on the digital version. Stop making people chase stuff to get what they want. Yeah, I agree. I just, um, it honestly surprised me that when I put in Thor Ragnarok that it actually gave me a menu of things to choose from. Because I, I, it's weird. I don't, I don't recall seeing too many menus anymore. I don't, well, maybe not menu. Like, like there used to, there used to be a really thought, thought out process to have a DVD menu where it would be like 15 minutes of animation before you got to yeah. the thing. Like the Terminator two judgment day one goes through like a whole assembly line of a Terminator being put together. And then eventually it's like, is are can we play the movie yet? Oh no. Can we play them? Oh, okay. Like I, now, I don't know. I just feel well. There's like- also the reverse version of that. Like when DVDs first came out and they didn't even bother with menus, where they're like, you'd pop it in and then it would just start on its own. You're like, wait, wait, the movie started. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, I would like to see them get away from trying to. I mean, I, I get it. It's probably never going to stop. They're going to, you know, do this with every release probably and make you chase exclusives. So. Yeah, so I'm excited. I like the idea. I don't, I don't know if I'll get the chance to do it or not to actually just watch this with just the score, because I, I, John Williams is one of those guys again. Like he's talking about like he's going to do episode nine, then he's done. Which he's in his 80s. I don't expect him to keep writing sc- scores for films. Like I feel like it's almost like can, Disney. Can you stop making Star Wars films? I want to stop making music. You know, um, but I feel like he's one of those guys again that you know shaped shaped what we love. And if this if this is the way to truly get because what was it didn't lucas call um uh, williams like the secret sauce of star wars yeah this is how to appreciate that and maybe i don't know i think that's pretty cool i wish there was other movies that would do that because i think i think i'd be super excited if i could watch like tron legacy with just the soundtrack yeah uh, you know um actually there was a if you are somebody who uses itunes uh, i don't know if it's still going on but last week there was a sale on um soundtracks uh, and i actually picked up the raiders of the lost ark soundtrack which was one i didn't own oh nice uh for like 4.99 so so aside from star wars like what's your favorite film soundtrack is it now raiders because it was on sale no uh (laughs) are you saying like of john williams or like just overall like what's like what uh, I I'm that weirdo that I'll put on film soundtracks mm-hmm. and it's like especially when I'm working because I don't like a lot of words I like just having music so my brain can kind of zone in on what I'm doing so um, I'll listen to a lot of soundtracks so I mean this is kind of an easy answer uh, it's Danny Elfman's Batman score from the 89 Batman I can pop that in anytime and listen to it straight through I think it's still I still think it's his best soundtrack um, and it puts me back at like you know it you know it makes me feel like I'm 14 again when the movie came out. It uh, makes me think of the animated series. It makes me think of all the stuff that came from it, and it's just it's wonderful music. Um, and I think it it it's one of the high points of that movie is that score. Oh yeah, him. people because you know that that's a very iconic. Yeah, that's one of those things that you. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, well, Tron Legacy, I I love that soundtrack, but uh, I I could listen to that thing on a loop. I just I love Daft Punk, I love Tron, so it was like it was a wonderful marriage of the two. Um, I also can listen to the Inception score over and over and over again, which I think maybe kind of ironic if you think about it. I just get kind of stuck in a loop, right? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. It's a good Hans Zimmer. It's it's good. It's really good. Uh, but also uh, Ennio Morricone's uh, score for the Thing. John oh Carpenter's yeah, thing, just by itself. It's very discordant, haunting, but it's so good. You know, like 
and I'm sure there's some deep dive soundtrack stuff like like going when I was watching all those Italian westerns like like uh, I've I've fallen in love with some of the soundtracks like the one for the Great Silence I could listen to over and over again, uh, Sabata I love I know something about like Italian scores I'm like I gotta have more of them but I yeah I can oh, or the Aliens uh, soundtrack is it James Horner yeah James Horner. James Horner I could listen to that too like I. People, if, if you love movies, you then you love soundtracks. You just don't realize it. You know, like maybe and it maybe if you're just dip your toes, go find a soundtrack, go find a movie like uh Ragnarok. Uh it was done by uh, Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And also the the music and the trailer is from a band called uh, Magic Sword. They're awesome. So celebrate things that you love by listening to some of the music that makes the things that you love. And go buy The Last Jedi seven times. <laughs> Digitally, Blu-ray. Uh, VHS, beta, I don't know however many ways they're going to offer it. Waffle, waffle edition, I don't know. I 16 don't know. millimeter Six, film. Yeah, 16 millimeter, yeah. All right, anyway, that's enough news. Um, all right, let's get on to, let's get on talking about some mute. And now for our feature presentation. So I want to start this off by saying... Uh, I feel like whenever I pick something for us to watch on Netflix, it's always kind of like it's it's a little off the mark in terms of like something like we I picked Godzilla and that I know you didn't like it. We we talked about it like visually interesting, not a lot there in terms of we felt like yeah, there's just way too much three. techno babble. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of also there's not a lot of technical ba- techno babble on mute, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff going on that may not always be explained. But I feel like I felt bad because I know you watched it before I did. And you're like, eh. And so I was worried about how I was going to feel coming into this because I, um, first question before we dig into the movie proper, what's your opinion of streaming services releasing their own films versus like something coming to the theater? Because like I know with the Cloverfield paradox, there's a reason why that wasn't going to the theater. It was good enough watching on streaming. If I would have paid money for it, like legitimate money for that film, I would have been mad but just watching it, I just kind of accepted it. Does your bar get kind of lowered because it's a streaming service release film? I don't know if it gets lowered, um, but I will say that like it's a double-edged sword in the sense that like uh, I think of Hush, which I know was a movie that you were just sort of in the middle on that I loved. Um, yeah, and no, what was, what good, was, good concept, yeah. Yeah, but what was great about that movie was is that it was at a festival, and I think it might have been its like first or second showing, and Netflix was like, we want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never went to theatrical. It went directly. Well, it might have had like a small theatrical, but it went pretty much straight to Netflix. Um, and I th- I don't remember if it's billed as a Netflix, orig- Netflix I original. I don't think it was. I just think it was a But I do up. feel like anytime they acquire something, they just now throw that Netflix original label on it, whether they actually made it or not, just because they own it. Um, so I don't really I don't look at it as a lesser film like when uh, I was younger and you would see the direct-to-video whether it be a sequel or direct-to-DVD movies or direct-to-video movies in your head you always have like well, why didn't that go to the theater? So it must be a lesser quality movie I don't have that mentality with Netflix so I, I guess I'm I guess what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, not biased. Yeah, I'm not okay. biased or immune to you know. Um, I don't look at it in that regard. Um, so yeah, when I see something new on Netflix, I'm usually interested in seeing what it is. Okay, I was just curious because I feel like, I, not that there's a stigma because I mean, not for me. However, it's it's like I I almost feel like if if you have to wait so, wait for something 
then then you kind of almost add more value to it because you're waiting for it. And meaning that we knew that we knew that mute was coming on a certain date. We knew that whatever, but that's different than say like um like a triple A release in the theater. Let's say like uh we talk about Black Panther. Like you knew about that movie for two years coming and every so often you saw a trailer, you're like, I need to see this film. Mm-hmm. And something like Mute, even though it, it probably took two years to produce, and then you heard, like, I remember reading about it being in production, but it wasn't like, there. other than, like, you get the initial trailer and the final, oh, it's coming out in, like, two weeks or whatever. It doesn't, I don't know, there's not the same anticipation for me. And I'm not saying this particular project, I'm just saying in general. But weirdly enough, though, I get excited for the TV shows, like whatever, like I know, like Stranger Things or like Jessica Jones season two just came out, which I haven't watched any of. So please, people don't spoil that for me. I'll get to it eventually. All right. So here's what happens in <laughs> Jessica Jones season two. The purple man lives. I've only watched the and, first episode. So and far. he now, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, he regenerated back into himself. He's more of a dick. Uh, <laughs> so um, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be great if the purple man came back, but he really regenerated into like Christopher Eccleston? Like then he went like went back. Anyway, that's a Doctor Who comment. Whatever. Anyway, enough about that. I, but I get excited for the TV stuff. Like I feel like they take the TV and elevate it. But then sometimes the movies I see because Netflix is dipping so far into so many originals. I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of another Netflix original film that I've watched where I was like, "Wow, I'm glad that they picked that up." I know you like Hush. I've not watched Gerald's Game yet. I should have watched it by now. And that same director that did Hush. Yeah, um, I heard it's pretty good. I haven't watched. I it. I haven't watched yeah. it either. But I haven't read the book either. And I'm on this weird place from like. Maybe that's when I should go back and read the book before I watch. Maybe I, I read the book. It's it's messed up. <laughs> I can tell you that. But so with this, like I've seen, um, so Duncan Jones, uh, the, the guy who who directed Mute. Uh, I, he, this is his fourth film, to my knowledge. Uh, I, he he released Moon, uh, Source Code, and and Warcraft, and I've seen those. Um, and Moon is a wonderful film that Steve has not seen. But mute kind of ruined part of it, and he probably doesn't realize it. But it ruined mm. part of the film. Um, is this an unintentional sequel to Mute, or it's a spiritual sequel okay. to, to Moon? Uh, and that's the only thing I think about now in hindsight is that Kevin Spacey plays the voice of an AI, and you're like, ah, I don't want to think about that. But that's a wonderful film with the Sam Rockwell. It's just he a wonderful performance. A lot of practical effects, wonderful soundtrack. Uh, the guy who did the score for that, Clint Mansell, is the one who did the score for Mute, which I thought the score was actually pretty good. Um, and then he did Source Code, which is a trippy, um, like time loopy movie, which I don't want to get into like the, the spoiler of what's going on by Jake Gyllenhaal. It was good. The ending kind of lost it a little bit, but I, I dug it as a second effort. And then Warcraft, which I love Warcraft. You guys have heard me talk about the game. And the movie's not bad. It's just kind of, I think, I think Duncan Jones was tasked with trying to create a movie that was crowd pleasing, but somehow how to hold to the standard of you're showing two sides of a conflict and both sides aren't hundred percent evil. So you couldn't have like an out and out bad guy when you had the, like the two sides. And so it kind of comes across as being kind of a weird flat, like, all right, they're fighting, but most of them agree that they shouldn't, you know, visually it's a cool looking movie. I need to watch it again. I just saw it in the theater and it was okay. And then he does this. Um, I'm conflicted. I, and I guess we'll just, I'll just do this right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? If any of you have any, any inkling to watch mute, I'd say stop, stop listening to this podcast and go watch it and come back. Cause I feel like some of what we're going to talk about is going to ruin the movie. And I don't want to ruin it for you. If you have any interest, if you like future noir, 
detective-y type of stories like Blade Runner. Watch Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't watched 2049 yet. I have not. Um, I feel like this is a, a, a decent bookend to that, but it's but 2049 is a way better film. Mm-hmm. Um I don't want to spoil this movie, but I feel like we're going to have to because some of the, the dynamics and characters and decision making are going to get spoiled. And I don't want to ruin that because I did not know what I was getting into with some of the relationships in the film. Um, and you won't for like an hour into the movie. Uh, yeah, I, you, you said that. And the movie's like two hours and four minutes. And I could argue that it probably could have been trimmed down, but I don't know how you could have trimmed it down because... The, the story, it's the plot is fine, but it doesn't have a lot of momentum throughout. And I, I use that word a lot. So it kind of just goes along. It kind of goes along. But it's like the more I fall in love with the world, I'm like, oh, shit, there's kind of a detective story going on here, which is not even a good detective story. Like the main character, Alex, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, what, what is his name? He's, he's called the barman. But what's his actual name? Leo. Uh, he, it's, so it's the future. Uh, it's future Berlin 30 years from now, I guess. I don't know. Uh, cause the movie starts off with him as a, an Amish boy getting cut up by a, a um, a powerboat, like out, uh, not powerboat, like an outboard, uh, fishing boat, like whatever the, the blades cut his neck. Right. And his mom, them being Amish, she turns down the surgery that could repair him. So he grows up with no voice and that's what you see that whole bit. Right. So then you go to future Berlin. He's a bartender at this really progressive bar with robot strippers and weird things going on. And he has a girlfriend who um, I forget her name too. That's, that's probably one of my problems too, is that I uh, was her uh, Nadira uh, who works at the bar. She's a waitress. She's like blue hair, blue, blue makeup, really pretty yeah. uh, striking and really effective because like you only get her for a little part of the movie, but she's kind of unforgettable. She's very, yeah. but you don't, she, you've seen um have you seen eternal sunshine and spotless mind yes kind of almost that like uh same thing with um uh kate winslet where it's like the idea of somebody is way more in- in- enticing than the reality of someone and we find out the reality of nadira as we go on through the whole movie but sh- this is a reality she's keeping from leo yes um but and leo- the audience and the <laughs> Leo works at this bar with her. He's a bartender. He uh, he's also he still kind of has the Amish tenants though, but living in like this future techie Berlin, so he still dress dresses conservatively. It looks like all he drinks is pitchers of water, like a lot of water. Um, and then he does a lot of drawing, and he keeps like a, a, a flip book that he can write stuff down in, like when he wants to communicate. Um, it's an interesting contrast. He forgot he's also a woodsman or a, a crafter of wood. A crafter of wood, yeah. And he happens he has a small apartment, but then he has like a lot next door that's a full on workshop. <laughs> which, sure, you know. But I so did you did you get anything about his character the entire time? He's mute, so he can't physically say anything. But did I get when you say did I get anything? You, you like, get what, his motivation, but like, do you really? I don't know. Did you give a shit about him the entire time? Um, no. And I mean, that's that's my big problem with the movie. And this is not spoiling anything, but you know, I made the joke about oh, it takes an hour before you find out what the hell's going on. It feels like a bunch of disconnected scenes. It, people will intersect. But for that first hour, it feels like you need to. You're supposed to be so enamored with the world that you're not really giving a shit about any of the characters. Or let me rephrase that: 
the the story is a little muddled in my opinion um i think they need to come a little bit further out on you know um initiating what the actual story is because they spend a lot of time in this world and i think that's one of the things that bothered me is is that this story didn't have to take place in this this future setting this there's nothing impactful in the story outside of something that happens at the end of the movie to Alex, Alexander Skarsgård's um, character um, involving his voice. Um, but other than that, like really, there's nothing that happens in this story that really is indicative of the setting. And you spend so much time with these characters like trying to figure out how the hell they connect that you just get to a point where you just don't care anymore. And then once it's finally revealed, you're sort of like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, as far as him as a character, like, and let me just say this. I think he's actually a really great actor. If you've ever watched True Blood, he was fantastic on True Blood. He does seem to have a knack for picking, like, movies that are going to tank. I don't know what it is. Um, like that... Uh, a battleship movie he was in that uh and i don't know if the tarzan remake tanked but i don't think it did as well as they expected um I think he, he was tarzan right yeah people talked about how he had an eight pack and how that doesn't make sense like, <laughs> like he really got in shape for that film and no one watched it yeah and there was something else i think he was in the remake of straw dogs that if, if oh did i see that no i saw the original original messed up film i didn't yeah. see the remake. yeah but he just has a knack for like like he keeps missing and he keeps swinging and missing at the big ones i think at one point he was originally in talks to play thor or he was one of the guys in the running um that would make sense because of his uh you know where he's from yeah he should be he he should have been (laughs) thor but uh you know he's he's you know he's good in the movie in the sense that like i'm never not watching him and going oh he's not you know he's not good he is limited in the fact that he can't speak um and but he's, he's also limited in his his own like self-imposed resistance to technology yeah and it's weird because it's like he's resistant until he's not like uh nadira gets him a cell phone which i i, I liked that because she's like you know I, I found i found the oldest one for you and that thing is still way more advanced than the phone that we have and right. i thought that was kind of great uh, and so he eventually, so she goes missing. That's the whole, the whole thing of the movie is that it goes on this whole journey of him trying to find out what happened to her. And then like the threads do come together at the end. Like Steve saying, I feel like some of the emotional weight that should have been there that they try to deliver later because of everything that, you know, after it's hard to feel, it's hard to, to, to hear about something after, um, after seeing it. Like if if I go back and watch it now, like a second time, a lot more of it's going to be like, oh, this, this, and this, and this makes more sense. And maybe my appreciation will go deeper. But I feel like for a movie that, because it, it does, it does hold back a lot of its story until the end. It's not, it's not a plot twist. It's just, it's just more like, here's how the pieces fit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize those were connections. It wasn't like the movie was sending you on a red herring because it was never a red herring. It was always his his direction eventually coming across what's actually going on and you find out there's one person that's been kind of purposely trying to put him on this path and that took me a while after watching the movie to figure out what that meant because it took me a few minutes after watching it to be like how did this all happen and i realized that and there's one character that caused a lot of the problems that 
there was a lot of problems with this character. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, I don't think this was a movie of like trying to pull the rug out from under you. I just think it was just trying to hold its its emotional resonance closer to the vest. Whenever it finally showed you the cards, you're supposed to give. A, you're supposed to be like devastated, and I didn't get that feeling. See, know? I thought it was them trying to be like, aren't we clever? Um, yeah. So that was my initial reaction. Was like, well, no, because I wasn't invested in the characters enough to care once you made your big reveal. Yeah. And maybe had you not spent so much time trying to get to that point, I might have been invested earlier. So. Um, Paul Rudd's character, his name's Cactus, which is a great name for a character. Uh, and he has the best mustache. That mustache should be nominated for something. I don't care. Um, <laughs> his character of Cactus and his um, his co-worker, I guess, for lack of a better word, this guy named uh, Duck. So it's ca- Duck and Cactus, whatever. Yeah, they're played, both surgeons. Yeah, they're or doctors. Uh, Duck is played by Justin Theroux, which I knew the name. And I was trying to place him. I've not really seen a whole lot of stuff that he's been in. I know the name. Wasn't he dating um, uh, a freaking Monica from Friends? Wasn't no, he was dating Rachel. Get Rachel, your friends sorry. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and I believe they were. I thought they married at one point. Oh yeah, and I think they're just yeah. recently separated. Okay. Um, anyway, so they're they're combat surgeons, and and it took me a while to figure out that Paul Rudd's character was AWOL. Yeah. from the army. I mean, it's, there was a whole interchange with some Russian uh, mafia type guys in Berlin, whatever. Um, there was a lot. I, it's one of the things I liked about the future too, is like it just, everybody got thrown in and it wasn't just like one thing. I kind of like that. I also think Berlin as a choice of a city was interesting because you could easily set this in like new New York or, you know, new Chicago or something. Berlin is foreign enough to me that seeing a future version of it is even more alien. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this could exist in a Blade Runner universe because you're when you see 2049, you see how desolate Los Angeles is. Why couldn't there be a more kind of like, even though uh, Berlin has its dark side, it's still a really pretty city in this film. Yeah. There's a beautiful skyline and it isn't like the whole world's disgusting. It's just that there's some corners of it that are, you know, and um, I like that. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I know I'm kind of going all over the place. No, like this fine. movie did. Uh Duck and Cactus, they were military like type like they were in, like together obviously in the army, and they were surgeons and they worked together. But then, uh, like, were were they a couple at one point or not? Not that that not that I'm bothered by this, but you get the idea the way they talk to each other is Babe, and 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 Hun. And then they made the jokes about how they were in the same uh, group together in the army, and they all slept in the same bunk. Their situ- their relationship's really complicated. Well, that's that's the thing. That's one of the things that bugged me about the movie is is that uh, we learned something about Justin Theroux's character, uh, and it's kind of upfront throughout the movie if you're paying attention. But like, you start to realize that he's got some super pervy tendencies. No, he he's he's a pedophile. Yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to spoil it, but spoil it. Uh, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> For those people that are interested in watching films with characters yeah. that are pedophiles, this movie has it. But what's odd about it is, is that like when Paul Rudd discovers it, he's mad for like thirty seconds like, and then like, suddenly like, okay with it. Because Paul Rudd has a daughter in the film, and like and his his character of Cactus is really, I just. I, I don't. His moral compass is all over the place because he's a good. He wants to be a good dad, and you yeah. see that he cares about his kid, and you see that like he kind of has his own, like his own view on the world, and some of it isn't wrong, but then his also he's so quick to violence and threats, 
and Paul Rudd is I've known as a comedic actor. He's funny, and there's bits of this movie that he's funny, but it fall, it comes like right after like some grotesque violence, yeah. and it's just like that's a funny line. He just really jacked that guy's hand up. Like it was like, and I know that it was on purpose because you're like you want to love Paul Rudd, you can't love Cactus, but you you also respect his love as a father. But then you realize that he made some really bad decisions. I I don't know. But you're right. He was mad at mad at Duck for finding out that Duck is a, is a pederast. And he's to the point of just like, you do not even think about my daughter. And if you continue on with your medical practice of helping small children, basically he's like, I will end you. And then within minutes, uh, he gets Paul Rudd's character gets some good news. And then they're out partying. Yeah. It was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know if I could respect that or be pissed off about it. Because he's not a good guy either. He has he's he he's screwed up in his own way as well. I'm saying that Duck's way more screwed up. I would argue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but they but they were t- they're kind of screwed up together. I don't know. I don't know. It was really I've not seen I've not seen characters like that in a film before. Yeah, you know your question about them being a couple at first for most of the movie, I just thought they were brothers. because oh. uh, that was the take that I was getting. But then I realized, oh no, these guys aren't brothers. There's something else going on with them. But I, I, I couldn't figure out what it was. I think, I think Duck was in love with Cactus forever and ever and ever, and and Cactus, you know, loved Duck. I like to say these names in this kind of context. But I also think that you know, since Cactus was with somebody else and they had his own life, I don't know. It was just weird. It wasn't a love triangle. It was like a, a many sided yeah. thing going on there. And it was, I, I respect that we didn't get all we didn't get an entire explanation of their situation i respect that um duck like there's times where it's like before you start to find out how much of a bastard he is you kind of like him yeah and then it's like all of a sudden you're like oh this guy's a monster but he's he kind of is charismatic it was just like this weird i don't know how i don't know like i guess it's just i respect the decisions and i want to give the movie credit but it's just that I don't understand ultimately what the point of it was. So here's here's the thing, and this kind of goes back to our discussion when we were talking about the Cloverfield paradox a few episodes ago. Um, so there was a review, like one of the first reviews that I looked at right after I watched the movie, just to see what the general census of it was. Um, was that uh, you know uh, this, t- and I pulled up the story, but the 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 um, title of the the story is is Netflix mute isn't just bad it's almost unwatchable and I'd heard people say that about the Cloverfield paradox as well and like while I'm you know certainly I, I if you're listening you probably realize I didn't care for the movie all that much it's far from unwatchable um, and well, I think far that from that, it far it, from yeah it. it's becoming such a cliche to call uh, these films. You know, it may even go back to that whole Netflix, you know, bias that you were talking about. Like, oh, this is so bad that it had to go to Netflix, so it must be unwatchable, which I think is just complete bullshit. Like, I've sat through unwatchable. Believe me, I, I've I've seen unwatchable. This isn't it. This is not Robo Vampire. Yeah, <laughs> which, which I didn't I even loved. make it through. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I loved for all the wrong reasons, and Steve needs to finish it because the ending's amazing. But, you know, but um, you know, I just I. I feel like, you know, that's a that's an, a criticism that is so harsh in the sense that it's not taking into account 
other films. Like, I don't know how you get to a point where you're like, this is unwatchable. Because it's not. You can watch the movie. It just, it doesn't draw you in. Or at least for me, it didn't draw me in the way that I'd hoped. Because um, I was real hopeful at the beginning of the movie. Because it's like, oh, this looks like it's going to be really interesting. Um, and it just takes too long to get where it's going. And by the time it gets to where it was going, I didn't care anymore. Well, That I, was my problem. Yeah. So, I mean, so the joke then is for a movie called Mute, it didn't have much to say for very long, for a, a long time. Yeah. That's the joke, right? And it's, and it's, it's, it's a, but, so I guess I guess I'm in this weird position that I I don't hate the movie and and it's okay to watch a movie and say it's okay that's not just being so like you know just angry and be like it's unwatchable I feel like that's the hot take of everything is either like like I know like Kevin and I have had this discussion before about like people anymore either either everything has to be the greatest thing ever or it's the worst thing ever and that but that's not how things work. You know, right. like life is a bell curve. <laughs> like yeah. that's really right. And we, and we can't, we can't appreciate the tippy top without like the very bottom. And, and I, I don't know, like, I don't know how well this movie is going to age. I don't know how well it's going to be looked back upon. Um, I would much rather have, you know, interesting sci-fi that may not work to at least try, but your point about it being sci-fi so I looked at the trivia, and this might—I don't know where this where this was exactly. One, I didn't know David Hasselhoff was on the money that he was the the bills that they're pulling no, out. I didn't, to I didn't that, pay that close because it was set in Germany. I didn't know that. I thought that was great. Um, what was it? Uh, where it's a, it was originally conceived as a contemporary British gangster film, then it was changed to be set in Tokyo with Ken Watatame. Watatame. I, I, I know I can't say that word that name right. Um, as Leo. And then as after moon came out that motivated Duncan Jones to rewrite it and have it set in the future. So you're right that this idea wasn't set in a near future. It was supposed to be a contemporary film and you could see that, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm okay with it being this future because there's, there's, there's interesting elements of this future, like the gentleman playing like the touchscreen game that only he can see while uh, Leo was trying to track down an address by like, there were some smart things Leo did. I'm not saying a lot of what, he, what he came across, I think was accidental, yeah. but then, so there's also in this movie, there's like this, this drone delivery service called fly meal, which they just bring in food and everything. It's like, and we're, we're 30 seconds away from that happening anyway, but it's like that feel lived, that felt lived in. That felt like a thing. Cause yeah. you see billboards for it, people using it. And so he's at this fly meal station trying to reverse order something to basically find an address. But the thing, is the 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 touchscreen is saying say the number and he can't do it so there's a guy off to the left that sees what's going on kind of but he's playing like a phone game that's on a, a heads up display only he can see that he's touching like music notes and i kind of dug that I, I was like there's no explanation just the world we live in i thought that was cool i thought yeah. that was a nice little touch the fly meal stuff was cool too um the robotic strippers were weird, but I've watched enough Futurama. I'm okay with that. Well, that's actually what I was going to say was, is like, you know, I agree with you. I do think that the, the fly meal thing and the guy playing the video game that you really can't see certainly is an interesting idea, and it worked really well. But then there are things like the robot stripper where I'm like, who is that for? It's <laughs> like... The, the, we're not in Futurama where there's robots walking around. Well, and then there's the one apartment. And it's not even like it's a realistic like it's no. No, it's, it's not like oh it's art or I don't know. It's, it's cantina just, level robot. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. even Paul Rudd says at one point like I think your stripper needs oil or something like that. I don't remember what his his yeah. comment was, but uh, 
Yeah, that was the thing that bothered me about the, you know, like I said, the, the setting didn't feel like it had or wasn't adding a lot to the story. And the points that you brought up, it did. I will grant you that. Um, on the same token, it it also didn't seem to know what was contemporary and what wasn't. Uh, why did the bowling alley look just like a bowling alley? Like, <laughs> did you notice that? Or I'm like, why is everything futuristic and suddenly we're in a bowling alley and it's... Yeah, that was... The only thing about that that I thought was cool is one of the balls that came out looked like uh, a six-sided die. Okay. But I think it was just the way... I think that was the the the... the figure set in the bowling ball just the way the light hit it i'm like that what is going on with that but you're right the bowling alley looked like a bowling alley like except it was like two floors yeah and I, that probably exists in berlin right now like you know you're right that's i didn't think about that and i said um, something to my wife kathy and she's like well maybe it's supposed to be retro in there i'm like okay fine it didn't imply that they had a diner they went to that yeah. was an american style diner um later in the mall uh that was very much like you know <laughs> the home away from home americana you know and that was fine you know like, yeah but you're right i didn't even think about that the bowling alley there was no laser bowling like it should have been it should have been we we bowling is more advanced the we bowling game on the Wii from like eight years ago is more advanced <laughs> than the bowling we saw in this film um yeah I, I that's that's interesting i just that's why like i think the idea of having leo be amish and still kind of like pushing technology to the edge interesting idea i don't know how that relates to everything like i just and i i don't know that that felt like there was something more there that didn't really get explored all that much um i feel like i feel like you end up not caring more but being more emotionally invested in cactus and duck than you do leo and those are the two guys that you're not supposed to be emotionally invested in because they're i mean you're sp- I think I think the movie wants you to understand that this isn't cut and dry and that there's a lot of things going on here, but it's almost like the movie was focused the wrong way. Yeah. And I feel like Paul Rudd's performance and Justin Thoreau's performance was they were so good together that it almost took the energy out of the rest of the film. Yeah. And that's a weird thing when they're when they're the ancillary, they're not the main character. And your main and when your main character can't talk that puts the rest of the film, it puts the burden on the story to come to him. And I was going to mention this, um, two things. One, he goes to the one apartment with the one guy dressed up like a geisha with the weird sex robots. And that was just a weird moment. And I'm like, what are we getting into eight millimeter? It felt really, really weird. It felt like, it felt like it was pushing that blade runner dark side of things. It just didn't really do anything. Um, but did you notice that for the most part, anytime Leo would go and just show up places, people would just assume why he's there and start talking about the things that are relevant to, to them, not to him. And then he would start finding out things that people were just kind of revealing because he couldn't respond to them. So they're like spilling their guts thinking that someone's here to collect money or someone sent them to be beat up. And it's like, he's starting to piece together this whole like underworld operation by accident because people are just, just babbling because this one guy in a white button up shirt isn't saying a word. Yeah. And I thought that was like, it's funny, but it shouldn't happen that way. Um, when I was in college, I had a friend named Paul as well. It wasn't just me looking in a mirror saying, I have a friend. Uh, <laughs> he would do this thing, and I didn't know he was doing it. It, it was it was, it was was funny, but also just to, to, to have a point. Like, I'd go start talking about something, and I'd be telling a story, and he would just stare at you, just stare at me, you know? And he'd just keep staring and not, and not say anything, not like as in, and go on or react with a question or a comment. He'd just look at you like there's more to the story, and then you'd just keep talking. 
And then eventually he'd start cracking up. He'd be like, I just want to see how long you keep talking before you realize that I was not going to respond. <laughs> and so he would do this thing to people all the time where he would just look like deeply interested in what they're saying. And, and he just found out that as you do this, people will just keep going on because they expect you to interject. And I felt like watching this film reminded me of that because Leo would just stare at him and then people would be like, Oh, well just tell so-and-so that I'll get their money. It's like he, he didn't, he didn't identify at all. He just had a photo and a scrap of paper and the whole world opened up for him. And I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. You know, and I do wonder if maybe that movie would have been reorganized in the editing. And I realize that it's, it's almost cliche to be like, Oh, I wonder if it would have been told backwards, like a memento type story where you're piecing it together with the character a little bit more involved or something along those lines or, um, uh, I don't want to say Pulp Fiction, but something where like you're focusing on these characters and vignettes and then they come together. Like, I feel like I feel like that would have given Cactus's character a little bit more because he's he's half of the reason why all the bad things are happening in the, right. in the movie and Duck's the other reason. And you don't get a lot of that until like the last not third past that. You know? Yeah. yeah I mean, maybe had it just opened with the ending and then picked up and you're like, OK, we know where we are. And then. Part of it would have been like, how did we get there? What's the interesting part of the journey? Maybe that would have been more interesting. I again, I just my whole, you know, thing with the movie was is that it just it took too long to get where it needed to go for me to care about the story, and I I wanted to be wowed because I did like the set design. I just I felt like it it didn't feel as thought out to me as Blade Runner did. Um, it 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 just felt like there were really cool visuals sometimes for just really cool visuals. Yeah, I I'll say that I feel like. Once the decision was to make this like like uh, Berlin future, that this almost feels like to me that if someone would have told me that there was a mute graphic novel that came out like five six years ago that was like twelve issues that told this whole story of Leo, right? And they tried to compress that all into one movie. I can see that, yeah. You know? um, but this isn't; it's its own movie. So it's weird to, to have a movie that you feel is overstuffed with detail, but tries to to cram. It tries to cram all this stuff in, but it kind of forgets the pacing of the plot. I don't know. The world's interesting. And seeing the 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 real thin connection to Moon, which I I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to ruin Moon for you, but there that's it was right there. Uh, did you did you see the brief moment of the courtroom scene with all the Sam Rockwells? Like, did that confuse you when they showed that on the, the news when he was in the, uh, the, the coffee even catch shop? That. There was like 18 Sam Rockwells in a courtroom all yelling at each other. And it's like, it, that's that that's like, it's the epilogue to moon. Okay. Like, and it's like, I don't know why that this world needs to exist in this world because, and when he kept saying it was a spiritual sequel and I'm like, Oh, okay. If it's just set in the same world, I guess it's fine. But it's like, you gave me, you gave me an ending to a film that maybe didn't need that kind of ending and not that it ruins moon, but now that you know kind of what happens ultimately, it doesn't. It, it it takes away a little bit of the hope of that movie, <laughs> like so. Hmm. Um, you know, and you'd mentioned before. You know what a big fan you are of Duncan Jones, and you know I can honestly say that like I'm certainly not like turned off by his work in this. You know, I, this is only one of his films that I've seen. It's not like I'm like now saying oh i don't want to see anything else he does like it's very visually i think you'll interesting like, I, like he's he, he knows how to direct yeah if you watch moon i think you'll love that film you know straight up and i'm really interested at some point to sit down and watch warcraft and just watch it as somebody who knows literally nothing 
about the video game. Like, I know... Okay, so the only things I know are orcs, and I think at one point uh, Mountain Dew was like a sponsor. Like, those are the two <laughs> things that I know. That's true. They had something called Battle Fuel, and in the game, remember there was the red... Battle there, Fuel. There was the orange-red bottle and then the blue bottle they had for a while. And in the game, if you if you whatever, like the horde had the orange and the alliance had the blue, and they had these little robots that they, that if they were near each other, they would just fight it out. <laughs> like so, like if, if it was like, uh oh, there's an orange one, there's a blue one. It's like, oh, they're going to beat each other up. Who's going to win? Yeah. So with without having any context that, for the not game, not in the movie at all. <laughs> you know, I think it would be an interesting watch. Um, and you know, you've you've uh, talked quite a bit about Moon, um, and I feel like I'm missing the third one. I don't remember source what code. Source which code. I think Moon's will never. Netflix right now. Um, if it is, check it out. If you guys have not seen it, it's a wonderful film. Source Code, I don't think it's on Netflix. I have it if you'd like to borrow it and watch it. It's I I think I think it's going to end up happening What's if you end up watching the rest of his films. I don't know where you're going to place Warcraft, but I know Mutant Warcraft are going to probably fall in the very bottom of, like, it's four, it's four films. I mean, how far can it fall? Right. Those are going to kind of battle out probably for the bottom spot. I think it's going to be, I think, I think you'd appreciate those other two more. Um, for me, with this one, I so not to keep going on and on about it because I mean I also feel like we didn't ruin a lot of the movie other than ducks a pederast but whatever um, <laughs> that guy's an asshole uh, <laughs> compelling compelling asshole that should be the tagline for the movie like some great characters compelling assholes uh, I I kind of I just I kinda, are there musicians out there that they put out albums and there's a couple albums that you come back to listen over and over and over again. And then there's like that one where it's like, man, I can see where you're going with this. Maybe, maybe I'll come back to it later and it'll, it'll be better for me. Or maybe it's just a little too far, like you know, left of center of what they normally do. Yeah. And I feel like this is one of those ones where like, I want, I want to love it and I don't love it, but there's, there's the movie has more going for it than for me to out and out just dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And that's where my struggle is, is that I don't want to go around preaching the gospel of mute because it's ultimately, it's an okay film. It's not a great film. It's not a bad film by any stretch. It's an okay film, but I think it's okay film that comes with some really interesting baggage along the way. Yeah. I mean, to your, you know, musical question, I think I've mentioned on the, the uh, show before that, you know, I'm a huge Metallica fan and I, I am not one of those people who's like, oh, it's, you know, the old stuff is the best or, you know, whatever. I pretty much love it across the board. Um, but there is their album with Lou Reed that just... Lulu. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to love it. <laughs> And I just, you know, maybe I'll give it a try in, you know, another couple of years and it'll, it'll sit better with me, but like, I just couldn't do it. So like, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's that thing of like, it's Metallica, but it's also with Lou Reed and I just don't think it works as well as they had hoped it would. So yeah. And so that would be my example. Um, and I go with this and I know Duncan Jones is blazing his own trail. He is the son of David Bowie. And I feel like David Bowie didn't give a shit about what people thought about what he wanted to do next, but he would go and do it anyway. And he would, he would surround himself with good people and make interesting works. And like, even though I've not listened to black star, like other than the couple tracks they put out, like the singles, that was the album that he put out just right before he passed away. Mm -hmm. That, that musical style is, is different than you go, you know, go back to what he's known for. And it's like, and even if you go back to, uh, do you remember the, the song he did with, um, Trent Reznor, uh, I'm afraid of Americans. If you remember that, it was from like the mid 2000s. 
even then, like that was more Nine Inch Nails feeling than it was like Bowie, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and, and I can't speak to his whole discography cause I'm not that well versed, but he, here's a man that always found interesting avenues and ways of expression. And I, I sure as hell hope that even if Warcraft wasn't as successful as people hoped it would, it made a lot of money over in China. So I'm sure legendary pictures and blizzard are okay with it. Um, they would want more money, but they, they still got my money each month with every other game I play. Um, and I think that mute isn't a failure. I just hope it doesn't keep him from doing the next thing he wants to do, as opposed to maybe have to pick a project that he has to do. That's, you know, I, cause I feel like there's interesting filmmakers and in that are trying that I feel like if they, if they make the one passion project that doesn't, doesn't like make everybody money, then they're kind of stuck having to, to make everybody else's projects again. That's that's all I think, and I think Duncan Jones certainly you're right. He's a competent filmmaker. They're, like the sequence in the library, even though I don't understand the motivation of Leo having to look up a phone number by looking at every single phone book in Germany, um, but the sequence of him searching the entire library is really nice. Yeah, how it transitions, and there's some beautiful uh, transitions in the movie itself. And so yeah, like I I want to see more from him. And even and, and supposedly this is supposed to be the second movie of a trilogy loosely associated because everything's a trilogy and everything's loosely associated, but I'd like to see another movie set in this world. I think that would be, but, but you're right. You give it a reason to be there. And majority of this film, the, 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 the character stuff going on, the, te- the technology didn't aid it. And I feel like with Blade Runner, you, you mentioned it, the idea of a replicant and the idea of, of humanity and the idea of something created, having humanity that is a sci-fi idea. A guy who doesn't want to use cell phones and is trying to find his girlfriend and doesn't really like technology. I, there's not enough there for me. Right. And, and maybe, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Cause I feel like it really, really tried to say something when he went to his workshop and grabbed the big part of a bed that he was assembling that was like carved out to a seahorse or something and takes that with him as his beaten stick, you know? And it's like, so here comes the Amish man with the carved wood beaten stick to go into the stripper club. And it's like, I think there was something being said there and I don't know what it was. Though. I believe it was a uh, speak quietly or uh, speak softly speak, and carry a big stick. stick. Yeah, yeah. I guess so yeah. So anyway, I, I guess if I just put this in my mind as a concept album and just kind of set it on that on that shelf and come back to it later with concepts and maybe not every single track works, I could appreciate it more. That's not normally how I approach movies, though, so I'm really conflicted over this. Yeah, and I, I didn't feel like my time was wasted by any means. I was just bothered that I, I felt like there was a lot of potential there that was wasted. Yep. Which so, is, you know, um, again, like I said... You know, I don't think it, it just simply because they put it on Netflix doesn't mean that it's automatically bad. But so. could you have seen this in the theater? It would have. I it, think it could have played in the theaters. Yeah, I think absolutely. it could have played there, but do you, it could have played in the theaters for sure. Oh, okay. But how many how many people <laughs> do you think would have went though? You know, like the same people who went to Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So myself and three other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I feel like this would have played as much more like if you just play in the art houses, right? But I think the budget was bigger than an art house budget. Yeah. You know. Um, so I I think maybe it was the better it was the better option to put this on Netflix, in the sense that it was guaranteed, probably guaranteed a profit, much like Cloverfield Paradox. And it was also guaranteed to get into the hands of people a lot easier. And, and probably it's probably been seen by more people now than it would have been in a theater. Yeah, that's true. And um, and I feel like it's one more feather in the hat that Netflix can be like, oh, we got it. We have a Duncan Jones original. We have a Will Smith movie. I don't know if you watch Bright or not. I have not watched Bright. I have not watched it either. Uh, people, I don't know. People seem to like it. But um, 
Yeah, and 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 I think maybe this is the way things are going to go now. Where if a film is like that that mid budget that may not make its money, if you factor in paying for theaters and paying for um, promotion, if that still gives us the opportunity to have creative filmmakers make challenging projects, I'm all about that. However, I I guess I have to admit I do feel a bit of hesitation where it's like, oh. Well, if this is a crackle original movie that's a sequel to Joe Dirt, how good is it? You know, like you just make sure you know you know that happened, right? That's what. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying that Mute is a sequel to Joe Dirt, <laughs> but you like it's I just, see it in a whole new way now. Yeah, I just yeah. Anyway, um, I'm sure this will not be the last Netflix original film that we talk about. I'm sure there'll be more later. Um, and, and, and if Netflix has its way, we'll probably be talking about one every week. <laughs> right. That seems like to be what's going on. So. Anyway, enough about that. If you guys, if you guys have seen Mute, uh, please let us know on the Facebook page. It's uh, and we also have our website, Invasion of the Podcast. But you can go to our Facebook, talk to us. We'll talk back to you. It'll be great. Uh, we're on Twitter at Invading Podcast. Uh, we, um, what else do we have here? All right, other stuff. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. Steve does other much more creative things that will become a Netflix original movie soon. Not really. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Our deal with Amazon isn't set. Don't talk about it yet. Our uh, deal with Crunchyroll <laughs> has not gone through. Uh, yeah, you can check out my webcomic, uh, The Saturday Night Slasher, at SaturdayNightSlasher.com. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, in May I'm going to be at Free Comic Book Day doing free sketches. I also just uh, um, got booked for a convention in Pittsburgh that I'll talk about a little bit more once uh, everything's confirmed with that. And uh, hopefully to do a couple other appearances this year as well. Uh, some more to come on that, but go check out the webcomic and tell me what you think. Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. So speaking of, uh, of putting place, I, I don't, I have no good transition. We're just going to get to a game about product placement. <laughs> I was about to be like, speaking of product placement, but it's like, there really wasn't any product placement in mute. I mean, sex robots. I don't know. I, what a weird German things. I don't like <laughs> the, the, David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Fly meal. Time to play the game! I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. Alrighty, so the game we got going today is going to be, can Paul identify the movie by its product placement? And as an example, we'll just say, Paul, if I said uh, in this film, one of the characters uses a Barbasol can uh, in order to uh, store um, dinosaur eggs. <laughs> what film might I be talking in about? In a park full of other... Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a Jurassic Park. There you go. Alrighty, so that was the that was the easy one. Uh, actually, these are all pretty easy in my opinion. So uh, the first one is is uh, in this 1999 sci-fi film, the Nokia 8110 cell phone was prominently used throughout the film by its trio of heroes. Is it the Matrix? It is the Matrix. Yeah, that flip phone. There's rumors that that's coming back too. Is it? That? Yeah, like the flip phone style, like that where it popped out. Like there's talks of that showing back up again. Well, I guess everything old is new again at yeah. some point. Also, the product placement in that, too, was that mush they ate on the ship. <laughs> I always thought that brought was oatmeal. You, brought to you by mush. <laughs> All righty. So uh, number two here. Uh, this one's a little bit long, so I apologize. 
Connie, one of the main characters in this film, goes to a Subway restaurant for her first date with Ronnie the Mechanic. The tagline for the film, Consume Mass Quantities, was also the name of Subway's meal deal when the film came out. Oh, see, I know that this is, but there's another film that had Subway's product placement, and you can tell me. Oh, there's a lot of them. Yeah, oh, did you? Okay. (laughs) Actually, I can think of two other ones right off the top of my head. That's Codehead you're talking about. Yes. I was thinking of... um, uh, was it Happy Gilmore? Yep. Where he gets, he just loves the subway sandwiches. <laughs> and then Saving Silverman, Jack Black's character, worked at a subway. Yeah. And he was talked about how he went to SU, and she's like Stanford. He's like, no, Subway so- University. <laughs> there was uh, that, and uh, it was a subtle one. It was one of the earlier ones in uh, Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Uh, subway, I believe they had a, a Terminator Two meal deal, and uh, one of the scenes, it's like in. It's on like the desk of the one um, security guard who's eating, and like it's pretty prominently displayed. So I always, I, every time I see that, I just immediately think of sub. Uh, well, obviously, Subway, <laughs> eat fresh. All righty, uh, number three, a can of Dr Pepper was used as target practice for a young hero learning to use his new powers in this comic book adaptation. Oh, uh, Spider Man. Yep. Yeah. Which I always think is, you know, it's very much like label out. I'm setting this up to test out my web uh, swinging abilities. Um, next one here, uh, smoke them if you got them. A Marlboro cigarette truck is just one of the product placements used as a set piece in this film's big action piece. Smoke them if you got them. That's the line. Um, I will say that I just wrote that. That's actually not a line oh. in the movie. So. I'm not sure that one. I'm blanking on it. All righty. Well, this is going to tie into something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, well, in another week, but actually, it's a sequel. It's in Superman Two. Oh, there's two big product places. Actually, three. There's Kentucky Fried Chicken. There's the Coca-Cola sign that Zod gets thrown into, and then Superman goes through a Marlboro cigarette truck. Oh, it's been you know it's been a long time since I've seen Superman Two. So, right. yeah. uh, Deal one. before cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Number five, Taco Bell was declared the lone survivor of the franchise war <laughs> in this 90s Sylvester Stallone epic. Like, I wonder how much money they paid to win, like, to win that in that movie. Because everyone's like, you know, Demolition Man's going to be the hit of the summer. You know, and it's like, we got to win the, the franchise war. Yeah, I uh, I remember seeing it in the theater and loving it, and then I revisited it like a year later. I was like, "What was I thinking?" Like, yeah, I mean, I gotta watch it again. I remember liking it a lot. Like, yeah, I just, and I'm sure it hasn't aged great, but it has Leslie Snipes as Simon Phoenix, right? Yeah, you know, it's like I love it whenever he goes up to the one console and he's like, "I don't even know how I'm doing this." He's like, <laughs> "Typing everything." It's like, it, it's I yeah. Snipes is really good in it, actually, um, but it also has the Rob Schneider factor that started is the Robert, whole. Yeah, he's one of the other. Yeah, yeah. But Stallone, Stallone is is peak Stallone in that though. Yeah, I kind of dig that, and um, that also had a very young um, what's Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, yeah. yeah. And she and all they did, and also there was other product place, but too. Like, do you remember the jingle they would sing because the radio had all commercial jingles? That's right. Yeah, and one of them was like it was Oscar, Oscar Mayer Wiener. Wiener. Yeah. 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 And uh, I believe she also had a Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic album up on her wall. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all do. (laughs) Great album, though. All righty. So number six. After being held captive in a foreign country, the lead character of this film decided his first stop after returning to U.S. soil would be Burger King. Iron Man. Yep. And boy, does that ever feel like a product placement. Like, you could go anywhere and get a burger. Like, if you've been, like, you know, held hostage for, you know, say, six months or whatever. I don't know that 
Burger King's the place that you want to go. I also feel like since he's West Coast, wouldn't Jack in the Box be the place to go? Or um, yeah. or that other, what's it, the other place people talk about? There's the other. other in and Out Burger? In and Out Burger, that's it, yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. And it, no, just, you know, Burger King's fine when you, you know, need a quick meal. But it, <laughs> it's not the one that you're going to be jonesing for after being away for six Burger months. Burger King, it's fine if it's the only thing around. <laughs> Sir uh, Hardy's not nearby. <laughs> Burger King's there. Gotcha. That's fine. All right. And the next one here. Pepsi was the drink of choice for the main character in both this film and its sequel. The first time he ordered it, he wanted it to be free. The second time he ordered it, he wanted it to be perfect. Oh, um, Marty McFly, yeah. Back to the Future, right? Because <laughs> in the sequel, it was Pepsi Perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he orders a Pepsi Free in the original. And he's like, That's right. Okay. Yeah. If you're going to order a Pepsi Pal, you're going to pay for it. All right. Number eight. After being rewarded with a Nestle, uh, after being rewarded with a Nestle Crunch Bar, a character in this film uses a Twinkie to explain the ramifications of an overloaded storage facility. No, it's uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I almost went with what was in Dana's fridge because uh, there's some prominently displayed Coke cans. But oh, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. I thought you were going to go with the Baby Ruth in the pool for uh, 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 Caddyshack. And I didn't go with that, but I, <laughs> I did almost go with Baby Ruth and the Goonies. Oh. Alrighty. In order, <laughs> this is this is one's my favorite. In order to <laughs> entice her co-star, the lead character of this canon film sensuously pours V8 all over her chest. <laughs> canon film that tells me is it is it over the top? That's not right. No, so what guy drinks uh, motor oil? Yeah, no, the V8, the vegetable. All juice. vegetable juice. That's the canon. <laughs> oh, to entice. It's a canon film. It would be weird if she was like, here, watch me I cover know. myself in motor oil. I, just, I was like, I don't remember that scene in that film. Uh, f- and this may not be one you've seen, so it may be unfair. Yeah, it's not ringing any bells. It's Ninja 3, The Domination. <laughs> I keep seeing that they were releasing that on Blu-ray. That's the one where it's like part possession movie, part ninja movie. Yeah. And I feel like it should be all my movie. Like, I feel like... It's unfortunate because yeah. I bought that version, that first version that they put out of the Blu-ray without the extra. So I'm like, I, I don't know that I can buy a second edition of uh, Ninja Three. That's how that's how Canon got you, much like Disney, where yeah. they're just like, hey, <laughs> you want the special editions for Ninja Three? Yeah. yeah. Although I haven't seen the original with Franco Nero, the uh, I think he's in the first two Ninja movies. So oh, uh, we'll have to we'll have to fact check that, Kevin. If you're listening, could you please fact check uh, <laughs> Franco Nero? Because Franco Nero, I am now in love with that man. He has the prettiest eyes in all of cinema. So he's got a great stash in that movie uh, too. Uh, Alrighty, so this next one here I think is gonna be real easy. Uh, when not eating Reese's Pieces, the title character of this movie enjoys the Rocky Mountain piss water of Coors. <laughs> And Reese's pieces are shit. I don't care. I, I've I've talked about that being garbage candy. That you you know fight me on that. Like I I hate that. This candy. is where the fight's gonna come in, yeah. folks. Because I've actually I like Reese's pieces. And they're not my go to, but no. they have the new like cups that are like oh we made a, a gigantic Reese's cup and inside of it are Reese's pieces. No, Reese's cups I'm fine with because it has the chocolate yeah. and the peanut butter. Right, Reese's pieces by themselves is just like. I don't know. They're they're peanut butter like I when it's in candy form like that, which is probably the same peanut butter in the cups. Probably, I just I don't like it by itself. I think okay. it's just, I think it's, it's a waste of candy. And to find out that in <laughs> ET that that M and M's passed up the opportunity to have their candy shown, they're like, yeah, whatever. And the Reese pieces you know, took it over, and they made bank. You yeah. know, like 
to know that Eminem's done screwed up. But I thought the fight was going to be over mute because I thought I know you didn't care for it as much, and I thought I, I don't know, I thought maybe I, I still felt like we kind of came in at the same place because <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't yeah. outright hate I it. Mean, I just. Like I no no uh, <laughs> mute mute is not unwatchable. Reese pieces are unedible. Like they're they're inedible. They're they're I, terrible. They're terrible candy. I'll go for the Reese's pieces every once in a while. Sure, I'm going to go with M and M's most of the time. I mean, but they're better than candy corn. But again, what do you got against candy corn? That's just that's just shaped wax. I don't like candy corn. I All right, I'm going to diverge for just a second here. How do you feel on on Tootsie Rolls? Take or leave them. Like I, th- they were okay when I'm younger, but now that I've jacked up my teeth, I don't really want that kind of chocolate in my mouth that just that sticks to everything else in your mouth. Yeah, I I, I love the, the Tootsie Rolls. My wife's always like, nobody likes those. No, I mean they're okay. I mean just yeah. All right, so this last one here is a special question that I'll be deeply disappointed if you don't get it. <laughs> so this is the bonus question, and it was it was made specifically for you. Uh, this film references five products in just one sentence. All right, and I'm going to give you the line of dialogue. Come on, Michael, it's game time. Get your Hanes on, lace up your Nikes, grab your Wheaties and your Gatorade, and we'll pick up a Big, Ma- Big, <laughs> a Big Mac on the way oh, to the ballpark. I, I, I know what movie you're talking about, and I don't, I don't want to say the name of it. Really? No, I don't want to acknowledge it. Um, pretty sure you're talking about Space Jam. You are. I, or and, I am. Yeah, the only reason I can pick that up, I just, I don't, I've, I've only seen that movie once, and that was at that theater, and I never want to see it again. And everybody seems to remind me of this film all the time, and it's not a good movie. And that's it's that. just fun by it's, the it's the, it's the like, Reese's pieces of films. Like it's garbage, <laughs> and no one should like it. Would you call it unwatchable? It's unwatchable. No. It's it's the mute of <laughs> no, no. Of all the animated basketball films with Michael Jordan, it's the only one. That's what I'll say about that. No, all righty. Well, that brings us uh, to the end of the game. Maybe <laughs> maybe next time I'll find another way to sneak Space Jam in. Maybe that's what I'll just start doing no. with every game. God damn it. That's no. movie-related. No, I don't know what... I don't know, and I'm sure I've talked about this on the show, I don't understand why people think it's so funny to constantly remind me of that film. Like other than the fact that I watched it as a grown man and didn't like it and felt like it was not good. And like somehow I stepped on like the heart of people's childhoods and now they have to remind me constantly. Like it's funny. It is entertaining. Like my buddy Rich drew like, like one of those like boardwalk caricatures of me. And I have it here and it says Paul jam in which I, it's never showing up on the Facebook page. Sorry, sorry, Rich. I'll keep it forever in my heart and in my room, but no one, cause the moment that gets out there, I'm never going to not see the end of it. You know, like, like people send me like my buddies both named Matt send me Space Jam shit all the time like via text message and it's like just because they were born when they thought when they've only seen one movie and that was it. Oh. I have no special affinity. I don't think I've ever actually seen Space Jam. But the thing is, is that just my wife has this thing like she thinks it's funny when I'm mad. So like sometimes when she watches me get mad, it it entertains her. <laughs> and I have to admit, like just watching you get flustered over Space Jam, it's pretty entertaining. So. Yeah, I I feel like I am in my wheelhouse when I'm annoyed at something. So bring it. <laughs> but it could be other things and so okay yeah you know that's i try i'm not i'm not not space jam that's a dumpster fire but like um you know after you know listening you know and and having discussions when we've talked about uh el gore of of taco algorithm he'll find he'll find something of intrinsic value of anything that he watches and even if it's even if it's just the understanding of a failure, which he had to watch Birdemic for one of his episodes. Yeah, and, I listened to that episode, and, and he didn't. He didn't go in tearing it down like anybody could tear it down. And I can, I can appreciate that he can find merit 
and find an, an, an angle of approach for almost anything he watches. And I feel like that's something I should do better with. However, there's just times where something hits that button where I'm like, F you, I'm done, and I can't get past it. And I feel like there's just, and it, it's, and, you know, and I don't know, like Space Jam was not great, and it's fine. But I feel like people think that, like, I think that's like, like, the Hindenburg of films and it's not, it's just a family. It was a family film. It made its money. It was in the zeitgeist of Jordan at the time. I get it. You know, they didn't jam in space at all, whatever. And, and it had a soundtrack people remember, you know, and it's fine. But so I strive to try to find inherent value in, in a lot of things now, because I feel like, and, 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 and he probably explains it better. Uh, there is, it's better to go through life trying to find the value in something than to immediately tear it down. Um, I know you and I both love watching bad movies and I put bad in almost a parentheses because I feel like the bad that we enjoy isn't bad. Like, I, I don't know, like I can appreciate a film that tries and fails and I can appreciate like, like this year, the knockoff stuff, which speaking of which we'll just talk about that right now. Um, Next week, we're going to be doing the year of the knockoff and we're going to be, we're kind of going a little, little different with this one. We're going to be looking at uh, Superman from 1978, the Richard Donner film with Christopher Reeves. And I mentioned a film that when I first showed the tr this trailer to Steve for this film, I was like, ah, I don't know if it's necessarily related to Superman. And your, your argument was it came out three years after it's a superhero kind of movie. It's Disney trying to chase that, that phenomenon. Yeah. I don't think you would have gotten Condor man. Condor yeah, man 1981's yeah. Condor man. You wouldn't have gotten that movie without Superman in my opinion. So this is probably not going to be a good movie. I watched it when I was a kid. It's probably going to be a flaming ball of garbage, but I don't want to watch it from that standpoint. I mean, I do want to be entertained, but I want to see how they thought that this thing, which, you know, hopefully if we could find an actual usable trailer, we'll put it up online. And if not, you guys can, you could rent this for three bucks on YouTube and watch it. We're going to, that's probably what we're going to end up doing. It, it's a, it's like a kind of a spy movie involving a guy who uh, he created a character named Condor Man, but he also can dress up as Condor Man. I don't know, but yeah, it seems like it's a mess. <laughs> but we can appreciate the the attempt, and I think there's a difference there, and I think there's some inherent value in watching this. Like clearly, people make Condor Man want to forget Condor Man exists, right? But we're gonna watch it. And we're gonna talk about it, and I feel like we I can I can find some appreciation there. I don't just watch things to hate them. Because uh, if I did that, then I don't think I would ever have any enjoyment in anything ever, you know. So right. anyway, that's a whole other topic. I kind of, I kind of got a little lost there at the end. Talking so about space jam. what we've learned is, is that I need to find whatever the new Space Jam is. The new Space Jam, <laughs> Space Jam Two with LeBron James. So that's what's going to be. Uh, anyway, yeah. So next week we're going to do a year of the knockoff, uh, nineteen seventy eight Superman and nineteen eighty one's Condor Man. A lot of mans going on. One super, one not so much. Yes. Um, and it'll be fun. I like I said, I saw this movie a long time ago. You'd never heard of it. Uh, and this was in that weird time of Disney where they're just throwing things against a wall to see if it'd stick. Yeah, they um, had a real problem with their live action movies. It's sort of like, you know, I made the argument that you don't get Condor Man without Superman. It's like the black hole. You don't get the black hole without Star Wars. You yeah. know, I wouldn't say it's a direct knockoff, but it's it's certainly like Disney was chasing that. They couldn't make a live action film to save their lives for like the longest time. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see where this one lands. Yeah, no pun intended. With something called Condor Man. Uh, so yeah, that'd be that, that's going to do it for us uh, this week. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, talk about mute. Talk talk about Space Jam. I don't. I don't care. I I may not like the comment, but you're welcome to talk about it and fight me on Reese's Pieces. I know I've had this fight before, but fight me. I don't care. Well, tell us if uh, if there's a product placement you think 
think that should have been on the list. Tell us what that was. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So have a safe week. We'll see you guys next week for Superman and Condor Man.